Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey there, and welcome to the show. It is uh, Wednesday, I believe, uh, July 29. Good heavens, the summer, the summer is disappearing. So I was thinking, believe it or not, I was uh, thinking yesterday um, that this COVID-19 has in some ways unmasked me, which struck me as ironic. (laughs) <laughs> as odd and i think in in many ways it has unmasked uh a lot of us um i was thinking uh only in um the sense that for all of my life from the time i was uh a teenage girl so i guess that's not all of it but well all because any girl um, heading toward being a woman in our culture uh, learns very, very early that her appearance uh, is extraordinarily important and that she must present herself to the world um in as lovely a way as she can. It's why women are always told to smile. I doubt that men have had that experience in their lives. Women, uh, it's a constant. Smile! You look so, you know, resting bitch face, which means you're not smiling. So this idea that you have to present to the world this attraction attractive and stop and think what attractive means it means to attract it's like radioactive attractive it means that you have the capacity to attract what the man forgive me all you uh, LGBTQ folks, talking about the dominant culture here. Um, And so girls learn very early. We tell, and I've caught myself doing it. We tell young young girls, yes, and we tell even little, little teeny weeny toddlers, girls, what's the first thing we say to them? Oh, you're so pretty. I love your dress. I love your shoes. Has nothing whatsoever to do with them, right? It's these externals. So from day one, uh, females um, in this culture, and not just this culture, most cultures, are raised to do nothing more than to be attractive. And I was realizing, sitting in my backyard yesterday, uh, wearing my daily costume of sweatpants and a raggedy old T-shirt, my hair pulled back in in a ponytail, not a drop of makeup on, no polish on my nails, fingers, or toes, just as God made me. And that's when I thought, I'm unmasked. That mask which I learned to apply Every day, 
which took me time <laughs> and created uh, you know, anxieties. Oh, my hair, it's a bad hair day. I just can't, oh my God. Oh, my eyes, my eyes, you know, my eyes. My, oh gosh, I got, oh, this lipstick is not right. This thought blunt myself now in as much as I present myself to any place in, in the flesh as I am. Take me or leave me. And in this regard, in this pandemic, where we've been isolated, where we feel understandably <laughs> like we're serving, you know, uh, a sentence of home confinement. In a strange way, it has been liberating, I think, for a lot of women, a lot. The thought just a year ago of me going out among, you know, strangers or people without foundation on my face and eyeliner on my eyes and the whole bit would have been unthinkable. I had been trained to only present myself to the world with that mask on. And there have been a few instances where, I'm trying to think, where I have put a little makeup on, just my eyes, because my eyes are still visible And I felt stupid, but somehow that pressure was still there. It's been one or two times, and I don't think I'll do it again. Because it's unnecessary. For one thing, when a woman reaches a certain age, and God knows I'm there and gone, the need to be attractive isn't really there anymore. Older women are not looked at as sexual partners. Older women are, in fact, not looked at at all. I have always gone out of my way to compliment older women on being beautiful because I know it doesn't happen much anymore to them and that's what women learn to live on the recognition that all of their labors to be attractive bore fruit so I thought it was so strange to have that thought I am unmasked I present myself now as I am, although granted the mask covers half of my face. But the half it covers is the part that I always thought didn't need as much help because I always was said to have a beautiful smile. I remember my father telling me many times, you have a beautiful smile. And often after I applied my makeup mask in the morning and before I went out into the world to present myself as a attractive woman, the last thing I do the last thing I would do, I don't do it anymore because I don't put the makeup on. The last thing I would do when all the paint was applied in all the right places, when my mask was as good as I could make it, the last thing I would do is smile. 
that smile. Oh, yeah. Good to go. So my smile has been taken away from me (laughs) because of the mask. But the rest of me has been liberated because it has become unmasked. And it was a thought I had yesterday that made me chuckle. I don't know if chuckle is the right word. Oh, no. Unknown caller, you bet. That's no zip code I know. I'm not zip code, area code. <laughs> area code. Um, so there was another word I thought of, and I'm going to share this with you, although I, I probably shouldn't. But I have been, you know, there have been a few days where I haven't had a show because I had a procedure. I have been, I'll just be straightforward, I have been struggling uh, for the last few months with uh, debilitating um, back and leg pain. And um, so I've been uh, having tests I had my my most recent one yesterday, uh, my second MRI, and um, we're narrowing it down, uh, definitely. Uh, I'll finally see a, a doctor tomorrow that will tell me what my options <laughs> might be to be able to get back on my feet and stand upright, pain-free. Um But I was thinking of how over the last weeks, especially when this has really gotten bad, that the word for me is invalid. What an awful thing you don't want to be, an invalid. And then it occurred to me, see, this is, I love words. The reason you don't want to be an invalid is being an invalid makes you, in many ways, invalid. An invalid is seen as invalid. Just change the stress onto the second syllable. From the first. An invalid is seen by others who are able bodied as invalid. And I have no idea if those two uh, those two words that look like the same word but are in fact by virtue of their pronunciation. Uh, rendered two different words and with two different meanings, if the invalid came out of invalid or they just simply came from the same, the same source, which would make sense. But I love words. <laughs> I love them. So those are my two word epiphanies from the last 24 hours, mask and unmasked, invalid and invalid. And uh, I don't know why something like that gives me so much pleasure, but it does. Uh, By the way, heads up, I will not have a show on Tuesday of next week. I'm sorry. It's one more procedure that has to be done. Um, uh, But I will be here Monday and then Wednesday and Thursday. Okay. And then I hope, uh, barring some horrific surgery I don't want, that, you know, we'll be be somewhat back to um, a, a normal schedule. And all that being said... The reality is I don't 
uh, I sometimes feel like I can't keep this up anyway. I have nothing to say. I'm, you know, ferreting through the horror of the daily news. And I find that a story, you know, you know, a story that would have stopped me dead in my tracks a year ago doesn't even get a moment's glance. Ah, yeah, turn the page. Ah, mm, turn the page. Then what does get my attention is stuff that just seems like, oh, yeah, more of that, more of that, more of that. It's like we're stuck in some, yeah, awful, awful nightmare. Seriously. Margaret says, I've tried acupuncture. I have tried acupuncture on a number of occasions, and I'm sure it, I mean, clearly, it is helpful for many people in certain conditions. Every time I have tried acupuncture, it has not helped me, and I have, in fact, ended up, not every time, but two times I've ended up um, on an operating table. Because, you know, at some point, acupuncture can't fix some stuff. (laughs) You know, at some point, acupuncture ain't the right thing. But it is good for a lot of of things. Nothing survives thousands of years as a treatment um, without having some basis in validity. So I do not um, discount it. I'm just saying it is not the answer. For instance, it ain't the answer for COVID-19, right? Acupuncture? Nah, ain't happening. Although what is, does anyone have an idea of why the lunatics and I include our president, refuse to stop this constant drumbeat of pushing that drug, whose name I have trouble pronouncing, hydroxychlorine, right? I mean, they're back at it again. The president and his son tweeting this nonsense out the other yesterday, I guess, and, you know, getting tossed off of Facebook and Twitter and all the other uh, social media sites. Why would that be that they, I'll tell you, I mean, Trump does nothing that is not tied to his financial interests. So I, I just, what is it? Are they, I mean, if if there was a direct financial interest in this thing, it would be apparent, I would, and not too difficult to find, I suspect, but why? Why do they refuse to stop? And so at his briefing yesterday, uh, th- there he is, <laughs> continuing to talk about it. And, and why would he do that if there wasn't something in it for him? And that video he put out there, <laughs> the video with with the doctor who, I mean, these people, I mean, they believe in, you know, uh, what, satanic, if you masturbate, your Satan is, uh, do you think I even, I mean, I saw something and I thought, wow, 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 this is who, this is the kind of doctor that the president is uh, touting. Um, When asked about the video yesterday, uh, Trump uh, said, 
quote, for some reason, the Internet wanted to take them down and took them off. I think they are very respected doctors. There was a woman who was spectacular in her statements about it, that she's had tremendous success with it. And they took her voice off. I don't know why they took her off. What the hell is going on? What's the thing with hydroxychloroquine? Now, I did, I think, out of the corner of my eye, see that uh, Peter Navarro, the president's whatever, one of his unbelievable stooges, uh, was saying that the government had bought up a whole bunch of this stuff when Trump decided this was the cure-all. And so they've got storehouses full of it or something. Is that possible? They bought a pig and a poke. They got had. And they're trying to get rid of it? Is that it? I mean, I know, seemingly, all you can gauge from there, the, the only conclusion that can be drawn from, from watching uh, these uh, evil Keystone cops, they're not, it's not funny. It's not the usual slapstick. It is, it is evil. Uh, one can only think they're either trying to kill all of us, right, or make off with as much as they can before it's all over. So there was Trump and Trump Jr., putting out this crapola yesterday. And who are they joined by? Of course, uh, Fox News, Breitbart, QAnon, all those wonderful uh, sources. These are, according to the presidents, these are not fake news. <laughs> these are your reliable news sources, Breitbart, QAnon. Uh -huh. And man, all of these guys are sharing this stuff on Facebook on YouTube. And so by the time Facebook and YouTube and Twitter get a handle on it and yank it, it's already, it's, it's gone. It's, you know, closing the barn door after that. It, it is already seen by tens of millions of people who are misinformed. And the result of that misinformation could be their own deaths or the deaths of people they love. Oh, it's really something. And then I saw this little tidbit. Remember the Russians? Um, the Russians are um, very busy right now because we're three months out from an election. And uh, they are behind a lot of the misinformation, disinformation about the pandemic. They are behind a lot of it. And they are using this. This is a tool they didn't have four years ago when they were very successful in electing their candidate. But the pandemic has given them new, new source material. And so Moscow is continuing using uh, all kinds of false information to influence American voters as our election draws near. And this is a direct result of Russian military intelligence, the GRU, and all of their uh, government media sources. They have been very, very busy.
the director of the Alliance for Securing Democracy is quoted as saying, Russian intelligence agencies are taking a more central role in uh, disinformation efforts that uh, the Kremlin is pushing now. It is not the blunt force of the operations mounted by the by some of their um, organizations. It is a little more subtle, but these guys know what they're doing. And it is, in fact, a refinement, a refinement. They've upped their game uh, from what they did to us in 2016. Um, So the use of fake social media accounts, which they used a lot four years ago, they're not doing as much because those got uh, those got uh, identified often and uh, blocked. But they understand that it is a lot harder to stop the dissemination of articles seemingly, you know, kosher articles about this stuff that appear on uh, websites that are appear legitimate. And um, that's what they're up to. And th- this comes, I mean, our our intelligence agencies are aware of it, but, you know, who knows? Our intelligence agencies are now... Uh, deemed, um, you know, fake news, too, by this White House. But the Russians are doing essentially what they did last time uh, in terms of what they're – they're just trying to create um, dissent um, and confusion and to reduce confidence in our democracy – which they've done a hell of a job at, and with the um, un- unbelievably great assist from the man they helped install uh, in the White House. Okay, let me get to some of your let me get to some of your emails here. Barbara said. The word of the day, she said, I never knew this word. I've seen this word, but I didn't know what it meant. Whinge, whinge, W-H-I-N-G-E. And uh, we Americans don't use it, but um, our English-speaking pals, the Brits and the Aussies, uh, do. They use the word whinge as a synonym for whine, whining, complaining. So, um, to use it in a sentence, the president whinges a lot. Here's your word for the day. Paul writes, I tried acupuncture once, and when they dimmed the lights and left the room, two stink bugs started crawling on me. Oh, God. Remember stink bugs? Jeez. And and I, I mean, we see them now, but not like that first year. What was that? Okay. Now, poor Jesus, Paul. And I couldn't relax. Yes, I imagine you couldn't relax with two stink bugs crawling on you. I was banging on the wall by the bed like a maniac for 10 minutes until someone attended to me. <laughs> I never tried it again. <laughs> oh God, that's funny. Well, I've tried it let's see, one, two, three, four different times. And for four different things. So it's I'm I'm you know, I'm still I'm sure it can be helpful to some people <laughs> for some things. I mean, my God, in, in, you know, China and in some Asian countries, they use it as a, you know, they they do acupuncture and then they cut you open, do surgery. Jeez, that, 
uh, I, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. I find it also unpleasant. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't care how, you know, twirling those little needles into you in strange places. Uh, yuck, whatever. Oh, I had a big needle stuck in me yesterday. God, and I bruised all over the place. Okay, Chuck writes, your comments early in the show about how the pandemic has been liberating for women, as a heterosexual male, that hits home with me too. I care less about my appearance. I'm skipping showers. I'm happy to put on a baseball cap in lieu of fixing my hair. And you know, I'm finding people don't care that I'm ignoring my appearance. Um, yeah, you know, the other day I was sort of shocked. I think I told you the story of being, you know, chased by, um, I mean, this is a humiliating experience, but being literally chased off a block, uh, chased down the sidewalk by uh, a cat, <laughs> my dog and I. <laughs> and... and um, Immediately after, you know, uh, some a couple I know driving by in their car stopped and saw me, and you know I said, "There's a cat!" There's a mighty American. And and after I left them, the thought occurred to me: How the hell did they even know it was me? Because I did not have my the face, uh, Lynn Cullen's face on. I had very little face on at all. I had a mask. I had none of the makeup on my eyes. I had my, you know, schlumpy clothes. My hair pulled back or stuck up in a pin. I don't know. I don't care. And it occurred to me later, geez, they recognized me. How? And that just showed me that maybe those the masks that we put on aren't as adept as we think, that when I unmask myself and show up just, eh, here it is, sorry, not quite as alluring as you thought, you're still you, and people recognize you. And and then I thought, and they didn't hear my voice, because sometimes it's the my voice that people you know will literally turn up, Lynn Cullen. And they couldn't have heard my voice because I wasn't talking. I'd stop screaming at the cat, get away, get away. I hadn't. I wasn't screaming. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad you're feeling the same. So all of us unwashed, unmade up, sloppy looking people, when this is over, you think we'll come out of our homes and retain that um that look, or will we drop back into uh, putting on our proper appearances for the world? Chuck also writes, also an observation, the wearing of a mask has made me realize, yes, how much I depend on my facial expressions to communicate. Oh, God, Chuck, yes. I sort of feel that I am... Without my mouth uh, being visible and without my eyes being made larger by my makeup, that how can people have a clue what I'm thinking or what I really mean um, or how I'm reacting? And it's awful. I've had people say to me when I have been out with a mask on after some kind of an exchange, you're smiling, right? Are you smiling? You know, where we can't even show an immediate response to something somebody else has said. And this, that is something that I do mourn the loss of because I do think that we're not able to communicate as well. It's, it's sort of like when we communicate in, um, you know, texting, people don't get sarcasm or you know you lose intonation when you're doing that uh which gives a person that you're talking to all kinds of clues about what your intent is and so that's gone i don't know i i absolutely agree with you 
uh, without our facial expressions. And this is why we've been told that for the uh, for the deaf, uh, this is this mask wearing is a real bitch because they don't know what we're saying. It's locking them out. Back to Chuck. I'm sorry, Chuck, I went off. I've become more verbal, he says, because people can't see me smile or frown. Yeah, you have to like identify your emotions with words. But there again, a deaf person ain't going to have any help. Conversely, I've realized how much I depend on the facial expressions of others. That is absolutely right. Oh, my God, we got three callers. Yiko. Okay, sorry. Um, let's let's go to the phones. Hello. Morning, Lynn. Morning. Before I get to face painting, I wanted to mention uh, your, what, what's it, Corona, what is that? Uh, Hydrocoxychlorine. I don't know. Hydrocoxychlorine. Yeah. Chlorine, but I don't know what. That. Yeah, I don't know either. Anyway, I heard that that's another one of those Russian deals. <laughs> hey, I'm losing you. What what happened to you? You're disappearing. Are there? Not much. How about now? Better. Well, I gotta turn this on. Anyway, let's get back to things. <laughs> no, you're gone again. You're gone. I can't hear you. We can't hear you. You'll have to call back or do something because we can't hear you. You're you're like underwater with, uh, you know, uh uh-uh, and gagged. I'm sorry. Try back. Try back. And and let me get to the next caller. Um, Hello? Somebody else there? Hi, Lynn. It's David. David. Hi. Good morning. Morning. That notion of... um communication and and invalid versus valid uh, I'd worked with in a hospital on a uh, on a rehabilitation ward with people that had uh, spinal cord injuries mm-hmm. and you know I really think that that they communicated better with me uh, emotionally and stuff when uh, they weren't in their wheelchairs but rather they were in yes. bed yes so that they were masked up to where the sheets came to, mm-hmm. and that was their little—that was mm-hmm. their little space, their space, and not somebody else's. Yeah. And it's—it's—it's—it's um, it's, it's absolutely true, you know, that uh, people I think put on those masks uh, for comfort, you know, to to feel better about themselves, and it's simply—it's simply cultural. I mean, it's. There's no, there's no other reason for it except that it's been bred into the. Yes, the we've learned. Here. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a learned response. Right. You get a good response when you have the mask on. Right. And you, and you know, after hospitalization, I, Pittsburgh is a relatively small town. Mm-hmm. I, I think maybe two people, in the five-year career that I had, have I run into. After my my career working on that unit, and you know, I mean, where do they go? You know, they they're they're hiding. They don't, you know, they they don't have a mask big enough to put over that wheelchair. You know, a lot of I, yeah, we all have the capacity to be more aware of how we you know deal with somebody who is in a wheelchair because you know they're they're first of all put if we're standing they are under underneath us in some ways they're you know they're diminished in that way and and people who are in wheelchairs will tell you that um it is not unusual for a a person uh, who's dealing with them to not even speak to them, but to speak to the person they're with as if you're in a wheelchair. It means you can't speak here, have your own thoughts or take care of yourself or whatever. It, it, it really is a bitch. 
Yeah, yeah, and it's just and it's just a little piece of the action. I mean, yeah. just, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know what the population of people in wheelchairs consists of, but you know, in numbers it's big, but in the overall population, yeah. it's 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 not huge. But these people are hiding out, and it's 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 just rough. It's you know, they don't want our compassion. They don't want our pity. They want they want a chance to be who they were. Uh, if they're not, I guess, uh, prior to the, the the incident that caused them to be in a wheelchair. Well, if you're in a wheelchair, like if I end up in a wheelchair, I'm still me. Yep. It's only other people who won't see me as quite as maybe strong or authentic. or And then there's that pity factor that people get there into, right? right. Um, so, yeah, yeah. But uh, people in wheelchairs are better off than they used to be because of the um, Americans with Disabilities Act. They have more, there's more awareness and um, because they organized, they said, hey, <laughs> we're here, deal with us. Yeah, but I think it only took them so far and I think there's a lot of wheelchair mm-hmm. inaccessibility um, yeah. as far as that well, goes. Well, there is. And, That's and true. Work, work availability. Um, yeah. And just one thing, uh, talking about backs and back problems, um, because I was a nurse for a career, I had, a, you know, a, a life of back pain. And uh, I found that doing the, the back, the, the back stretching with it's mm-hmm. called a, back, a back, a cat yeah. back stretch where you. You pull yes. up your back like a cat. Right, right, right. And then go to, yes, I've, I've been, believe me, I've been doing that. Those are like yoga poses. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and, uh, and even uh, doing a straight leg raise with mm-hmm. your one leg bent and lifting the other. Exactly. Um, because your back comes down to your hip and your hip knee. You know, you loosen it up before you start right. trying to move around at right. least. Right. And, yeah, uh, I w- yeah, I I know. Believe me, I've I've spent the last months uh, doing all kinds of you know uh, exercises, rehabilitative kinds of things, and uh, you know sometimes that takes you just to a certain point, and then that's right, that's right. Yeah, it's just so. to get started. But I also changed my mattress. Oh, um, I got a I got the original mattress from I don't know the uh-huh. place, the original mattress factory. Man, I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, I don't care what people say. I mean, it's a it's a hell of a good mattress, and and my back pain that 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 I've had in the past was at least diminished by using that. By well, that's great. Mattress. A now, mattress is an important thing. I mean, you know, if people think about it, yeah, ideally you spend a third of your life on it. So uh, yeah, right. have it be good. Yep. Yep. So anyway, that's my okay. that's my Th- pitch, and hey, I I wish you well. I hope. It Thank works you. Out it Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much. Appreciate the call. Okay. Bye. 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 I think we have another caller. Hello. Hi, Lynn. Calling live. Hi. Hi. I have to say, I'm very fascinated on the way this uh, morning's uh, conversation went to this sort of meta idea about masks hmm. and what they mean to human beings, whether they're physical masks or emotional masks. And it put me in mind of what we were talking about last week for a short time with uh, with your sister and the Japanese amusement park that yes. <laughs> with the roller coaster. Where they were not allowed to to scream, but they had to, what was it, scream in their hearts? Well, you had to put a mask on, but the yeah. thing that what the, what the Japanese amusement park keeps saying was like, please scream inside of your heart. Yes. Please scream inside your heart. Yes, in like, your heart. Oh my God, that is so Asian. Please <laughs> scream inside your heart. <laughs> now see, um, what you were saying today when you started your show it kind of hurt my heart because I I wanted to add a new part to that. I was like, okay, I want to write a song called Scream Inside Your Heart, but that would be too emo, right? But I wanted to follow it up with the line, but smile with your eyes. Yes. Yes. 
scream inside your heart and smile with your eyes. And see, Lynn, you were saying, oh, I can't believe this person recognized you. I could recognize you anywhere if I saw your eyes because, okay, I know your dad loves your smile. You have the greatest smile in the world. But when you just see Lynn Cullen's eyes, the way they light up, you don't even need to see the rest of your face. You recognize you because people can smile with their eyes and still wear a mask, I think is the point I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? Eyes, you have the, never seen. The windows of the soul. <laughs> yeah. But the eyes you have seen of me, of mine, were eyes that were enhanced by my makeup mask. They had. Not the, in, oh, I've seen you in person now with a bunch of me. I've seen you racing when we did that uh, I don't know, bingo thing. Oh, you like, raced in on a three-hour drive to do. They were doing bingo for the um, uh, Planned Parenthood. <laughs> your eyes, your, your eyes look fine. With that <laughs> well, you're right. Your eyes are the windows of the soul. That is true. So, but my eyes are getting tinier. You know, when you get older, not for everybody. You just sort of like start shriveling up. You know, my dad always had the greatest term for the last 10 years of his life. When you said, hey, dad, hi, how are you? And he always had the same word, diminished. Yeah, yeah. And I always remember you say that, too. I loved it. that. I've been saying that since I was 21, but see, men don't have that problem. See, what men have is like the William Shatner problem. Like the older you get, the, your eyes just kind of get bloated. You know, they yeah. just kind of get like fatter and you're like, oh yeah. my God, it looks like I had plastic surgery and I didn't. Wait, how did we get on this subject? Oh, I, I want to tell you what, just what? one advice about the back pain. Everyone's like, oh yeah, stretch. Oh, do this. Oh, do the yoga poses. Look, I tried that so many times. Look, you have the dog, right? Blue. I'm yeah. telling you, take Blue to the vet. Train Blue to say, Vicodin. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Lynn. I love I you. Uh, <laughs> all right. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. I was thinking you were going to say you got to train the dog to walk on my back or something. You know. Everybody has experienced back pain, that's true, but there are different, you know, reasons for people's back pain, <laughs> and some are much more complicated than others. Um, is there another caller there? Did that guy call back? Probably not. Um, let me go on with emails. I have a lot. Uh, little Tony says uh, about Trump, the fact that he pushes that hydroxy crap must be because he or his family have a financial. That, that's what I keep thinking. But I would think that would have been found out. Anyway, if it's not, then maybe it's an order from his boss in Russia. There, th- Yeah, right. Okay. Something is weird about it. Henry writes, I'm listening to you read Chuck's email about how he's ignoring his appearance. I was like that for the first couple of months of quarantine, but then I came to the conclusion that it's important to me to keep a schedule, get up in the morning, take a shower, and look reasonably good. Ignoring my appearance was causing me to be depressed. Resurrecting my morning routine sort of brought me back to life. This is a good point, too, uh, Henry. For a lot of people, that's true. And I know... um, Yeah, I have definitely gotten slacker about doing those things, but I do think that, yes, how you, I often used to think that, yes, how you dress uh, tells your brain how you should be acting. In other words, I always thought that, you know, if you, bother to get dressed in a certain way to show respect let's say for a person or for a uh, you know let's say the church you're going to or if you just show proper respect that it changes things about you and how you're feeling about yourself and how you're presenting yourself to the world I, I think all that's true and if we allow ourselves total slovenliness and um, not caring 
for ourselves. I mean, it's one thing not to take, uh, you know, I get you. I get both. I get both. And I think you're, I understand totally. And I'm somewhere in the, in the middle. Uh, Debbie says, what? Louis Gohmert, perhaps the most, nah, I can't even say that. One of the most repulsive human beings in the Congress of the United States has tested positive. Big shock. He's, of course, been against mask wearing. Debbie's also saying Trump does have financial interest in a company that makes hydrocloxicone. I, I don't know. Yeah, you've got to give me, uh, cite your sources on that. Um, Roger writes, Lynn, listening to yesterday's show brought me to tears, which is not too difficult these days. Susan was talking about having dinner with her kids and just wanting a damn hug. Yeah, well, it brought her to tears. Two things about that that relate to me, says Roger. Why am I having trouble getting the rest of your thing up here? One, a good friend was talking to me more than six feet away about her marital problems and was sobbing. It killed me not to go over and hug her. She was in so much pain. And after recovering, we both laughed at the ridiculousness of our situation. I have to tell you, I have had that same uh, that same thing where someone, yes, is confiding in you um, and all you want to do is hug them, hold them, because that is what, and it is unbearable that you can't. I'm not sure why I can't. Um, I'm sorry. I'm having trouble getting your email. This has happened to me before. Uh, to scroll up. What the hell? So I only get this far. My mom is living in a senior living center that's over three-hour drive away. Despite having dementia, my sisters have been able to keep her in independent living. No, I can't get any. I can't get any further. I'll tell you what. I'll try to get it on my other, here it is. I've got another source here, okay. Because of her dementia, the only technological gadgets she can operate are the telephone and the television. Her laptop hasn't been turned on in the last two years. I call her two to three times a day. A week, excuse me. My sisters call her sometimes three times a day. She's practically deaf, so we're quite hoarse at the end of these conversations. Do we hug her? She's 85. She's miserable. Why not? She might die before this damn virus is over. So, so what if I run down and spend time with her just like the good old days? Regarding those yahoos who refuse to wear masks... my wife just inherited a bunch of guns from her father who passed a couple of years ago now. Um, Yeah, speaking of that, there was a letter, like your mom, there was a letter to the editor, let me see if I can scrounge it up here, in the New York Times today, uh, somewhat the same, I think, here. It's called uh, Being a Grandma During a Pandemic. And this is from Sandra Markham, Piermont, New York. I was having a heated discussion recently with my daughter about exposing myself to the outside. She and her siblings criticize me for, say, going to the supermarket or worse, the hairdresser. She is in her 50s, and she feels that I, in my 80s, should be more restrictive, more careful. My feeling is that I live in a comparatively safe area, I'm in good health, I even teach yoga, and I take the necessary precautions so I can allow myself more leeway. 
the isolation since I've become a widow and with my family living very far away is hard. So now I have my grandson's wedding next month to consider, a small, downsized wedding. Of course, I don't want to get sick. I don't want to go to a hospital. I don't want to die. But I have had four largely solitary months to think about this. So concluding our recent talk, I told my daughter without realizing the irony, darling, I'm going because there's more to life than just living. (laughs) Yeah, that's akin to that thought I had a few weeks ago that I'm spending so much of my energy and time trying to stay alive, but I don't feel like I'm living my life. So what's the... uh, uh, Oh, Debbie says about Where'd she get that information that the Daily Beast and Huffington Post are reporting it? Okay, well, all right. I don't know. And little Tony says, Lynn, I haven't trimmed my beard in weeks. If I have to go out, I have a mask on, so who sees it? I should shave it off because I am sure it's not as effective with a beard. I I think that must be true, too. And I would think it'd be uncomfortable more. Tony says, wearing a mask. Man, it's a strange new reality. Yeah, indeed. Um, Okay. Where did I get this? Oh, this just in. I got this from the magazine The Week. According to a new British study done by a once skeptical researcher, uh, this researcher exposed (laughs) uh, 400 men to both gay and straight pornography and he says the penile response data that he got was clear proof of bisexual arousal in other words here's a guy who thought uh, bisexuals don't exist you're either in the women or you're in the men and so he hooked up 400 guys and, um, you know, showed them gay porn. And <laughs> he says, my God, <laughs> listen, I'll tell you why. Because you guys, you're just always, you know, you're, you're geared to go. That's it. You probably, you know, sh- show them two uh, fruit flies mating and they'll, uh... I'm serious. That's my sense of... Uh, of you guys, I'm sorry, but that's just from living around you. What else I have? I, you know, uh, I had all this stuff I was going to talk about. You know, the the fact of you know uh, Bezos and and um, and Zuckerberg and uh, what's his name, um, Apple guy, didn't um, <laughs> Cook didn't didn't Trump once when. Tim Cook was at the White House, call him Tim Apple. I think he did. I think he did. So, and the guy from Google, all those guys are going to be testifying before a House uh, subcommittee today, um, uh, virtually. And um, where did I read this? Oh, yeah. Amongst them, you total up these, the these four companies that these guys run and those companies are worth almost five trillion dollars and two of these guys are 
two of the world's richest people. One is the richest person. And they're going to be arguing, (laughs) this is what's funny, that their businesses, um, you know, don't stifle competition, that they're just another business and they're not really that powerful after all. So why would you be thinking about antitrust legislation? Their businesses are worth almost more than probably the entire continent of, yeah, name it, I don't know. And they're going to say, but we're not really very powerful. Um, I won't have this, just like I didn't have the stomach to watch Barr yesterday, I don't have, I don't think I have the stomach to watch, um, to watch that. Uh, and... I just have one little other item that I wanted to share with you uh, because I, all my life, have hated uh, meetings. Um, I, I agreed to be on the boards of directors of some nonprofits whose missions I, you know, wholeheartedly support. And then it turned out that if you're on a board of directors, you gotta go to meetings. I mean, my God, that's what you do. You meet. And I was never in uh, in my professional life in a situation where I had to go to meetings. You know, I would just do my thing. So I'm not used to sitting around a table and doing meeting stuff. And man, did I find out in short order that I hate them. I cannot stand them. They drive me nuts. I don't know how people who have to do meetings, and now that you're doing them on Zoom too, it's even worse. Or maybe it's better. Maybe that is better. Uh, a little more freeing, perhaps. Um, but I, I really can't uh, stand uh, meetings and I I I was in one of these organizations I even uh, you know made it up to vice president of the uh, board and and then of course it occurred to me wait a minute <laughs> this is how out of it I am wait a minute that means they're thinking I'm gonna be the president next time around I can't be the president of a board that mean I'd have to run the damn meetings. And I don't, I only got myself in that situation once. And it was a nightmare. It was not only a nightmare for me, who couldn't run the meeting, but it was also a nightmare, I'm sure, for everybody else around the table. Because I can't run a meeting. I'm not comfortable being that person in authority and this and that. And, and, and then also half the stuff is like about financials and things, like like I even understand it. So it was really traumatizing. And then I found myself at another organization becoming vice president. And at least then I had the smarts to say, I will become vice president if you really want me to on one condition. And that is that I will not. (laughs) I will not become the president when this term is up. I will not. And at the time, they said yes. But then when the time came for me to become, they'd forgotten about it. And it was awful that I had to, like, I held firm. said, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot. So I've been sitting here just sort of waste. Oh, so, oh, I didn't even share with you what this is. It's a quote. That's all. Just a little quote from uh, economist John Kenneth Galbraith the late economist, John Kenneth Galbraith. And I I love him for this. He said this, meetings are indispensable when you you don't want to do anything. So I think uh, he found them pretty much a waste of time too. Meetings are indispensable when you don't want to do anything. Well, I have been waiting for the uh, coronavirus thing from the 
county, but it hasn't come in yet. And anyway, why should we bother? It was horrific enough yesterday. And uh, continue to be smart, safe, and um, smile with your eyes while you're screaming in your hearts. I'll see you tomorrow. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.